Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and guys, tonight's episode 19 titled Don't Let Us Get Hot, because tonight we got one of the hottest teams in college baseball joining us from that team, the Ole Miss stars, Hayden Dunhurst, Reagan Burford, and Jim... Before we get to them, I got to ask, you had the opportunity to go out to LSU and watch Ole Miss just really take care of business. Um, From your experience from, you know, being at LSU, watching, you know, Ole Miss do their thing, what was the experience like, you know, and did you have a good time? Yeah, man. You know, obviously we've had a lot of these Ole Miss guys on, and so, you know, we root for them. Even if they are playing against LSU, I obviously wanted LSU to win, but I'm happy for those guys. They came in there. They brought their A game. But the best way to get over losses, Daniel, is, man, good old-fashioned Southern hospitality down in the bayou. Shout-out to George Cruz and Rodney Beloso, man. Um, That's the best hospitality I think I've ever gotten. yeah, no offense to all the others that I've been to games with, but, man, they made sure that I was taken care of. And so, even with the losses, Daniel, amazing weekend down in Baton Rouge. Absolutely. Anytime you can get that kind of hospitality, you're going to win off the field every game. I mean, who wouldn't want to go down there? I'm envious of your experience. Maybe one day. Maybe one day we can go down there and, and do it up big with those guys. But it's not about LSU tonight. It's about Ole Miss. Let's get to it, man. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview and in podcasting this week, Ole Miss baseball stars Hayden Dunhurst and Reagan Burford. Reagan, I'm going to cut straight to the chase here before we get into the backstory. Our producer here, Mr. Jim Cross, goes all the way down to Baton Rouge to watch his beloved Tigers. And you guys, like, made easy work of them, man. Was that a little strategic so you could come on here and talk smack to our producer? It was not It was not to talk some smack to, to Jim, but revs are high right now. We're rolling. Felt good hey, to go down there. And it, if you would have said yes, that would have been okay, too. <laughs> Don't let them revs get hot. I heard the Capitan say it. Don't let them. Don't let them. It looks like they already got hot. Look, so Hayden, how cool was it, though? It was a cool moment for me. I saw a lot of clips yesterday and then again today of of, uh, the coach getting emotional, talking about his son on senior day. What kind of moment was that like for you guys? Oh, yeah, he talked about it uh, in our team meeting before the game and before we went out there, and he just told us, you know, that he's going to do it. You know, he hopes that we can respect him, and, you know, we – of course, respect his choice. I mean, the game is just so big. Family means a lot more. Yeah, obviously, with with family, you know, it, it, it's there's every athlete that we have on here has, you know, some motivator or some kind of drive um, with family. So, um, Rain, let's go back. You know, take me back to when you're a kid growing up where where did you grow up and what was the family dynamics like in the house did you have brothers and sisters what was what was the case for you uh growing up well I have a sister an older sister and we were both in competitive sports all growing up and within our schools and we were very competitive between us two 
just she's older than me and I always wanted to, you know, one up her and she always wanted to one up me. But she played travel soccer and growing up I played baseball, football and basketball. So we were always pretty busy. Um, but our dad just kind of always told us just work hard in anything we do and we chose sports and we continued it. She didn't play college sports, but um, yeah. We got to ask you right off the top, Randy, you know, we got to, man, you said you played basketball. Can you hoop? No, no, I cannot. <laughs> oh, the I love first it. honest baseball player. Usually <laughs> baseball players come on here and talk about how good they can hoop. And as Daniel says, they always go and talk about that one time. <laughs> yeah, they, they're like, yeah, man, that that there was this one time. And as, as soon as somebody says there was this one time, I immediately tune out because I know that was the one and only time that they ever did anything <laughs> remotely average on a basketball court. Well, um, we would we played at my high school, the baseball team, we did rec basketball and it was like all the other kids from other schools playing. So it was like kind of like basketball within the school but it was rec league it was a joke who who would you say on the old miss baseball team is the best hooper i've heard tj's pretty good trophy's really good i don't really hoop so i'd say trophy or tj i've seen them play a couple times all right so and aren't you from memphis originally because you didn't mention where you were from i am I'm from you, Memphis. You gotta be able to hoop if you're from Memphis. I mean, it's, it's part of the deal. <laughs> I know. I should be able to. I should be able to. Come out. You come out being able to dribble and and, and almost dunk. That's what that's what I hear, anyways. But um, going back to a kid, I mean, obviously, who who's a better athlete? You or your sister? As you're growing up, I mean, we've had various answers when it comes to older and younger siblings. But you know, I, I'm curious in your like in your eyes you know, who was a better athlete? I think I'm going to say me, <laughs> but, but growing up, she was, she, she was strong and athletic and I wouldn't say she handed it to me while we were growing up for a while, but then my body just took over and I became, I became a better athlete. Aiden might have a different opinion, it seems. <laughs> yeah. She had me, let's say, from when I was 6 to 12. But then after that, it was over. <laughs> I mean, you know, those soccer players have incredible engines. And as far as, like, you know, athleticism, there's there's a lot of athleticism that goes into, you know, being an elite soccer player. Um, mm -hmm. But but also with you, you're, you're playing multiple sports, but you end up, you know, going and following the route of baseball at at what point was it where you felt like you had something special in the game of baseball was it high school or was it before then i'd say probably eighth grade i um i was playing baseball and football at the time and then me and my dad decided that baseball was the route that we wanted to go so we quit football and just solely focused on baseball all right, so you're in eighth grade. You're moving into high school. What high school are you attending? And that was the transition where you decided baseball only. Mm -hmm. I was at St. George's. It's a it's a private school in Carrierville, Tennessee. And we, me, and my dad figured exposure would be way better than continuing to play football because I was really getting tired of football anyway. So there was no point in playing, and I was I was all in on baseball. So you know. 
don't be humble here, but how were you the best player on the team? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I look at the accolades ranked number 16 player in the state of Tennessee by perfect game competed in the 2018 perfect game under class, all American games, all state 2019 two-time all region 2018, 2019. You set the St. George's single season record and batting average stolen bases double batted 402 your senior year five homers 29 rbis 18 stolen bases i mean the list is incredible so knowing that you have all these accolades and you are basically the best player on the team are you carrying the team or are there other guys that are are close to you what is the the competition like at st george's but also outside of the school against the competition that you play I wouldn't – the teams are scrappy. Um, the division I was in, it's not a very big division. So, you know, it's a numbered, numbered amount of boys that schools pick from. But it was just scrappy high school baseball. Um, no one can carry in baseball unless you're Tim Elko. And <laughs> <laughs> high school, I mean, I had my best friends my senior year. We were going at it. But really, we had some good teams my eighth grade through sophomore year we had we had a lot of players that that were pretty good that went on to play some college ball so the program at st george's is really good and just memphis baseball in general it's got it's got some good players coming up so what was your favorite moment at st george's we took a spring break trip every year and those were some of the best memories that i have of high school just going down there with the team everybody else is on vacation but you're going down staying in a hotel with your teammates and Biloxi Mississippi and it's just it just was so much fun I wish I could go back sometimes yeah it's almost like a a early intro or a a soft intro to to college baseball being able to travel uh stay with the guys and wake up and you know you're going to a, a different field playing but um you know obviously you knew with the stats that you had and the talent that you had that college baseball could be something that you could pursue. At what point did colleges start, you know, flying to your radar or when did you become, you know, a topic of conversation with colleges? Well, Ole Miss, I'm born and raised in Ole Miss, Ole Miss fan. So that was my dream school from, from the beginning. And, you know, like I said, I quit, football after my eighth grade year to solely focus on like getting exposure and traveling the country playing baseball. So I had, I had some schools on, I was on some schools radar early in my freshman year and Ole Miss was one of them. And so when Ole Miss offered me at the end of my freshman year, I just, I was on board from there. So you, you ended up at Northwest Florida state. How, how does that come to be? Obviously, Ole Miss ends up on the radar, but you inevitably go to Northwest Florida. Um, what happened into the, they're on my radar, now I'm going to a different school? Well, I came to Ole Miss in the fall last year and had some success or whatever, but I just, some things happened to where I, I needed to go to junior college. So, uh, and there was a bunch of schools that, I was thinking of going to, but I just thought that, you know, Florida Juco, supposedly some of the top, top best Juco in the country, get good experience, good reps. It's far from home. It's Florida on the beach. Why not? 
so ultimately I, I decided to go go down to Florida and I don't regret it one bit it was awesome I love that place I mean he's speaking to your heart isn't he Daniel I mean that's what Daniel did he relocated to yeah. Florida for baseball yeah and it was the the greatest decision I ever made in my entire life so um but yeah so I I can definitely respect that I understand that um but you know obviously you know kind of a, a shock to the system a little bit to go to Northwest Florida, obviously, you know, and I say that because anybody who says their dream is here and they have a taste of it and then they have to let that go. Was it something where you felt like I'm letting this go because it's going to better me and I know that I'm going to be back or was there ever a question that crept in your mind? I don't know if I'll get the opportunity to make it back there. There was always a, there was always a question about it. Um, but I love my dad to death just because we can have very blunt conversations about life and not get our feelings hurt. And we just went down there with a plan and the, the plan ended up working out. I was just going to go down there and make the most of the time that we have and take each day for what it's worth. And we ended up getting back to Oxford. So before I get into the Hayden, I got one question for you, Reagan, being that you're from uh, the Memphis area, played at St. George's and, uh, you, you know, it's in Collierville. Like you said, uh, obviously Hayden Leatherwood went to Collierville. Did y'all get a chance to, to play against each other regularly in high school? So my eighth grade year, oh no, my freshman year was his senior year and we played, he was at Christian Brothers and I, wa I wasn't playing that game, but I remember it like it was clear as day. That was the farthest ball I'd ever seen in my <laughs> life that he hit that night. There's the Christian Brothers has this. They're hitting indoor down here by the highway, and I swear he hit it 500 feet. Yeah, I think, I think I've seen him hit it 500 feet again this yeah. week, unfortunately. <laughs> but, the, but getting into you, Hayden, man, uh, where are you from? Here in Mississippi. Uh, it's a place about an hour in between uh, Hattiesburg and Gulfport, just a small place that I grew up in. Man, it seems to be a, a common theme. A lot of the, the most amazing uh, baseball players that are in these SEC schools are coming from these small towns in you know, the middle of nowhere, whether it's Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia. It's a, it's a, it's a common theme. So you know, with that, growing up small town, what was the family dynamics like? Man, they were good. Um, my mom and dad both played college sports. My mom actually played softball and basketball. Um, she's a dental hygienist now. Um, so you can say that my family has always been very competitive and it brought on to me really, really soon early in my life. And it's just something I've always craved. All right. I'm going I'm to put you to the, put to the fire. You know, Daniel asked Reagan about him and his sister. Who's a better athlete? You or mom? Oh man, I gotta, I gotta take that one. Um, oh, you're not gonna give it to mom. No, oh, my, my mom, used to, my mom used to have me uh, whenever I was growing up till about 12 years old. I played basketball until my, after my freshman year, I stopped. Um, but she always played basketball, so that was just something me and her enjoyed and always got after. So you were a Hooper too, and yet Reagan didn't throw you out there. So you don't, you don't lost the jumper. It ain't there no more. Oh, man. No, I hung it up a long time ago. Man, I hear you. All right, so, you know, growing up as a kid, you said you played basketball. Obviously, we know you played baseball. Was there any other sports you were playing? Nope. Uh, well, I used to I used to swim until about 
nine years old. I think eight and nine years old, I swam, uh, but that's it. So, you know, at what point does baseball become the focus for you? Uh, you know, same thing we kind of asked Reagan. Was it something that happened in high school or was it before? Yeah, it happened in high school after uh, my freshman year. It just, like, our basketball season kind of rolled, like, one to two weeks into baseball season. So whenever I got out there and went to go catch, like, my body was, you know, not in good shape because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't prepared for baseball season. It was ready for basketball season. So I just had the thought of a plan from there and then started getting interest from colleges then and just thought, you know, it's, it's one way or no way. So we just went all for it. Yeah, so where did you go to high school at? I went to Pearl River uh, Central High School. And uh, I take it, you know, where you were talking about where you're from probably wasn't a very big school. No, I mean, it was a it was a fair size school. Uh, I think it was in the 5A range. Um, but um, I think I had a little over 100 people in my graduating class. So nothing, nothing terrible. Whew, only 100. That's that is kind of that's that's. It's pretty small. We had 600 in ours, so, yeah. But, you know, looking at what you did at Pearl River, I just – I really got to go to one thing. I could read stats and your accolades for days. When you're rated the number one catcher in the nation, you know, I got to ask you, obviously a lot of honor comes with that, but when you have that kind of that kind of mark next to you, what kind of pressure does that put on you as a player? Um – you know, it really hasn't put that much pressure on me uh, catching-wise because, you know, catching's just always been something that's came to feel natural to me. And, you know, my movements back there, just everything kind of feels natural about the position. Um, so, you know, there's really no worries or nervous uh, about any of that because I'm pretty, you know, confident in myself. Yeah, no doubt. So, you know, as far as you in high school, you know, uh, what was your favorite moment? What was your favorite year? You know, obviously I've seen you, you know, you, you're a starter every year, you know, so break it down. When, when was your favorite time? Um, Probably my sophomore year, whenever we won state uh, for the first time in school history. And it was just, it was with a lot of people I grew up with and was really close with. And it was just, it's something I'll cherish forever. Yeah, absolutely. Bringing home that state title for the first time. So, you know, Obviously, you know, you talk about getting early interest from colleges. Um, you know, were you on the travel ball scene as well? Yeah, yeah, I started travel ball pretty early. Um, I think around 10 years old, I started travel ball. And then I went with uh, Chris Snowpack for the PSA and East Coast stuff whenever I was 12 years old and played with Snowpack until I got to college. So would, would you say it was probably playing that travel ball and playing with East Coast that put you on the map early? Yeah, yeah, that was huge, you know, because we would go to universities and have showcase games and stuff. And ever since my freshman year, you know, I had people talking to me. And so I thought it was good exposure. So when you have, you know, the caliber of talent you have, when I say number number one overall catcher in the nation, obviously you chose Ole Miss, but like, were there other schools that were in the mix? Did you go make some other visits? Did you have like a top three or was it always an Ole Miss? Yeah, no, I I never really had, you know, a favorite growing up. Um, but, uh, you know, there were other schools, but nothing in particular. And, you know, I thought, it, I thought about Ole Miss, took a visit there 
my freshman year and man it, they took me on a football game day and man it was it was something you know that you can't forget um and you know with all the catchers and success they've had there uh with you know their catchers playing in the big leagues and getting through pro ball and stuff you know uh and they were just producing Nick Cortez Cooper Johnson like these number one over like these number one catching guys and just thought there wasn't a better place out of curiosity who were they playing in football I want to say Alabama. Ooh, I think it was Alabama. They brought you in for the big dog. Yeah, yeah, they did. Well, Reagan, I'm going to go to you for a second, man. Let's go down to Niceville, Florida, man. I've been down there, obviously, the Destin area. Played one season there, named first team all-conference, second team all-state. Just reading some of these stats, man. 339, 428 on-base percentage, 970 OPS. Led the team with 40 RBIs. 57 hits, 11 doubles, 7 home runs, 19 walks, 8 stolen bases. Besides just the amazing numbers, how did you enjoy your time playing down in Florida? It was probably the best six months of my life that I can – I've been alive 20 years, and those are probably the best six so far. Right. Well, that's a a pretty big percentage of your 20 years right there. Yeah. How How does Ole Miss come into the equation from Niceville, Florida? Um, it was, it was one of those situations where I could either come back to Ole Miss after last year, or I would have to, I'd have to go back to junior college for another year. And, you know, I just, I really enjoyed my time down in Florida, but my dream's always to come and put a Rebel uniform on and win a national championship here. And I just thought that I couldn't. I only get four years of eligibility and I wanted to maximize the amount of years that I could have in Oxford. So that's, that's the reason why we decided to come back right away. I mean, are you sure? Cause I think Tim Elko has been playing for 11 years. <laughs> and the way he talks about Florida, like, man, I, yeah, I your heart's there. <laughs> I, I played with Tim Elko in college. <laughs> <laughs> DB's 38. <laughs> Oh, man. So kind of getting into this season, looking at the batting average, you know, 262 down a little bit out of the lineup, but great games against Auburn, South Carolina, and an amazing series versus Oral Roberts. A special shout out to Jim's son, Jax, because I believe it was you that won him a gift card for hitting a double. Nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah he didn't know who you were before that, but after that, you were his knew second favorite player behind uh, <laughs> Leatherwood, so – which uh, which one of those has been like your best game or your best moment this season for you personally? Um, my best moment, I'd say probably game one against Auburn. What I I'd say was a pretty cool moment. Um, first SEC home run, first home, yeah, my first career home run here. Also had a double that game and we won. Um, yeah, that was pretty sweet. Auburn's got a nice, nice feel. They had a good crowd. That was an intense game. We came out and started swinging from from the beginning. That was a lot of fun. I'd probably say that game. No, absolutely. So obviously, man, in a stacked lineup. I mean, you you know, trying to get in this lineup and stay in this lineup. What's the mindset? What's the preparation for you? Just go at it like it's any other day. Like. Um, I expect to be in the lineup every day. And if I'm not, you know, that's the decision Coach B Coach B makes. And at the end of the day, we need to win ball games, And we're winning right now. So there's no complaints on my side. I'm just going to get better at my craft every day and work on it and be ready when my number's called. 
speaking of winning games, obviously you guys have, you know, on a streak right now. I think it was Elko that said it. Don't let the Revs get hot. Seven wins in a row. Talk to me a little bit about this run, and more specifically, are you guys going to stay in the camo hats? They seem to be the good luck charm. The camo hats will be worn this weekend. I can confirm. Um, but we've just been just been playing with some edge and playing every game like it's our last. We had Chris Coglin. He played played back in, I think '04 and '06. Played in the big big leagues a long time. He came to came to talk with us. And it was a, it was a really good conversation. It was a blunt conversation, and we've kind of just flipped the script um, on our season. It's kind of just get rid of the outside noise and focus on each other, stay with each other, and play for each other. And that's what that's what we started to do. Yeah. So coming back to you, Hayden. You know, I want to talk to the start of your career. You know, obviously the first year is the COVID season. Y'all start off red hot. You know, you end up being a, a SEC freshman of the week. You're on the Buster Posey Award watch list. You're on the freshman All American uh, team. You know, um, obviously the year gets pulled out from underneath you. But you know, obviously you had to feel good coming in and starting off the way you did. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the COVID year, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was really touching. You know, we had a bunch of special players and special, some special things that we went through together. Um, but no, it's, that's one of the best teams I've ever been a part of uh, chemistry wise on and off the field. And, you know, I cherish that. Yeah, no doubt. And then, you know, last year, you know, all newcomer team, uh, all newcomer team, all defensive team, uh, you know, all SEC second team, uh, USA baseball collegiate team, you know, gold glove award winner. You know, and actually, I didn't even think to ask this, but Randy, we, we have to ask this now that I noticed the USA collegiate team. I got to ask you, Hayden, is Drew Gilbert a psychopath? Uh, no, he is not. He is actually a really funny. He's actually uh, almost a guy you could consider a nerd. No, he is. He's a funny guy. Um, like what he does um, when what goes on in the game is kind of, you know, like, I don't know how to put this like, I don't know. It's kind of like a fake act. But, you know, he just he's not that person off the field. So that's, what's like unique, but you know, if you're playing against him, you hate him. but if you're on this team, you love him just because you know how goofy he is, but well, no, I, I think he's a good guy. I'm going to have to tell him you're the first one to stand up for him. We've had about 10 team USA guys and the rest of them actually said straight psychopath. And, you know, he's been on here twice and he is exactly like you said, the nicest guy, but um, they say when he gets on that field and flips a switch, it's another thing. So I, I, I realized I thought about you being on that team, and I had to ask that question. It's always a fun one. Uh, with that, I got I want to go ahead and ask this too. Who do you? Who would you say was? Uh, who impressed you the most on that team? Oh my gosh! Um, golly, so many names. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now. No different than I just told you. Drew Gilbert was unanimously a psychopath all of them there's actually only been one answer and I'm curious that's why I want to ask I'm curious to see if you drop the same name everyone else did um probably the person who surprised me the most would be probably be Gavin Cross from Virginia Tech look at my man Hayden's coming with all different answers giving us some different perspective they all said Dylan Cruz across the board yeah, well, you know, we kind of figured that one was too easy to go out there on a limb. There you go. 
But uh, continuing on, like I said, you got the Gold Glove Award. Uh, you know, what, we talked about you being number one in the nation coming in as a high school player. But to actually be in college and get an award like that, what's that mean? You know, it meant everything. You know, I didn't even actually know that they gave Gold Gloves out. And whenever I made the team or made the list or whatever, um, I finally got my finally got the actual merchandise, uh, got it in my house and. You know, it felt really good, but now I want a whole sh- I want a whole shelf of them now. Oh, no doubt, and try to put that national championship trophy there too. Um, with that being said, you know, last year, uh, you know, exciting year obviously came up short, but uh, you know, y'all did get to host the regionals at Swayze. What was it like uh, being in that atmosphere at home in the postseason? The most amazing thing I've ever experienced, you know, I don't I don't know how many people were there, but it was the loudest ballpark I've ever been in. Uh, Great competition, great baseball the whole weekend. Uh, Nothing really better than also playing a team from Mississippi, you know, and you've got (laughs) you've got, you know, almost the whole state of Mississippi in your stands. And, you know, it's 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 a good fight. Oh, no doubt. Uh, You know. They, they knocked me earlier as, you know, obviously an LSU fan, but I am an Ole Miss season ticket holder, and I do go to the games, and y'all do have a great atmosphere. And I think the the beer showers are the best thing in, in college baseball, um, bar none. So uh, I, I, love, I love the energy and the environment there. Um, but, you know, y'all ended up losing in Super Regionals. Um, obviously, Broadway had to throw game three, um, you know, you know, backs against the wall. You didn't have Gunner. Um, but nonetheless, man um, – most people didn't know if y'all would make it that far and you did and you gave it everything you got and, you know, just came up just short. But um, with that coming that close, but then you had this whole batting lineup coming back, you know, what's the talk like afterward and just how confident are y'all coming into this season knowing that you have that many guys coming back from a team that was this close to Omaha? Yeah. You know, of, of course it feels good and it felt great having us all back and especially getting back into the fall seeing each other and, you know, just going through work every day. Um, we know it was exciting. You know, we started out all right, got a little, you know, iffy in the in the uh, middle right there. But, you know, I think we look back to normal as a team, offensive-wise, for sure, and I think I think it'll continue. Yeah, yeah, obviously getting hot this, uh, this past weekend. You know, you I got to watch you hit a bomb in the box, you know, and uh, I've seen you hit one against Tennessee as well in, in Oxford, which uh, just throwing you on the spot, which one was more fun, hitting one at home in front of the crowd for the showers or smashing one out of Alex Box? I'd probably say the Tennessee one. You know, it's it meant a little more to be at home in front of our crowd, and it was really cool to see. Yeah, that one, I don't like that one. <laughs> He's a Tennessee fan. <laughs> no man but you definitely killed that one you had a lot to say after that home run i was feeling it man i was i was juiced up <laughs> absolutely i gotta know man how do you get the nickname rock man it's something my dad called me ever since i don't know maybe three years old um there's not really a reason it's just something he kind of started calling me and he's called me it my whole life and then coach clem started calling me it also and then it just kind of it carried from there everyone started saying it man what my dad used to call me i can't even say on the air so i'm glad yours is <laughs> parent friendly 
Yeah. It rhymed with rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a definitely a four-letter word with CK. But listen, man, I got to know, with an arm like yours, you got a cannon, right? You get excited when guys test you? Of course. You know, that's that's actually the main reason I fell in love with catching uh, in my uh, teenage years. But, no, it's – it's been it's been quiet lately on the bases, but you know I've, I'm always ready for the blood. Let it well, be known. Let it be known. I have a hundred percent steal percentage against Rob. Oh, <laughs> there it is. Two for two. Yeah. Two, not just once. So it didn't like it wasn't like oh I got lucky. You did it twice. Yeah. Hayden, man, how you let this happen? Man, yeah. honestly, we had Knox Laposter playing second base, and I threw a ball maybe a half a foot up the line. Knox Laposter goes kneecap straight to Burp's head concussion. Doesn't even make it to the base. Hey, the umpire said safe, though. That's all that matters. Because the umpire was Max Trophy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you if, you know, we can't say Reagan, obviously, on this answer. Who is the favorite guy you've ever thrown out off the top of your head? Oh, man. Um... I guess I would just have the easy answer of being Rike, just because you know he's the biggest opponent to you. Um, yeah, that's about it. That guy, it's like if he gets on first, you just feel like he's going to score almost every time. Listen, last question. We're going to play a little game. How excited are you to host the final series of the year against a team that might just be as hot as you are in Texas A and M? Yeah. Um, no, we're ready for it. Uh, we're excited. We're playing good. Their RPI and ranking is very well. They're hot. We're hot. You know, I, I think it's going to be a great war this weekend. Do y'all happen to, you know, and Reagan, I'll, I'll direct this to you uh, before we play the game. Um, do y'all happen to pay attention to, like, the scenarios that they show that happens, you know, whether you win or lose this, this upcoming series? Do, do the players look at that? Do the coaches talk about that? No, Coach B does a good job of, like, being up front with us. And he told us from the beginning, get out of that social media stuff and just focus on the task at hand. And Texas A&M is coming down to Oxford, and we're ready for him. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. He said, just go out and win games. Yes. Everything else will take care of itself. So, guys, speaking of games, we're going to play a quick little game before y'all run. We play this game with every one of our guests. It's called This or That. You guys down to play? Let's go. Absolutely. All right. So with two guys, I'll, I'll make it very simple. There's, there's, you know, I'll give you a question. You pick one answer or the other. Can't say both. Can't say neither. Um, you know, whatever first thing that comes to your mind, just throw it out there. You know, because it's question answer, we'll start with Reagan and then go to Hayden. So every question, Reagan, you'll answer first. Hayden, you'll answer second. Pretty, pretty easy, right? Yes, sir. All right, let's do this. Softball questions to start. If you had to get rid of one of the following forever, which one would it be? Ranch or ketchup? Reagan. Ranch. Oh, ranch. Hayden. Oh, ketchup. Ketchup. (laughs) Let let me ask y'all this as a follow-up. What is the one condiment, and it could be from anywhere, Chick-fil-A sauce, you name it. Reagan, what is the one condiment you can't live without? Buffalo hot sauce. 
Oh yeah, I like it. Like it, Hayden. What about you? Crystals hot sauce. Crystals. Ooh, that's a that'll be in for a rough night. <laughs> Man, all right, all right, all right. Street smart or book smart? Which one would you rather be if you had to pick one, Reagan? Street. Street. Hayden, what about you? Street smart. Street smart. All right. Would you rather text or call? Call. My guy, my guy, a call guy. Hayden, what do you text, got? Text, text. text. He's taking the easy way out. He said, I ain't got time for all that. <laughs> so more impressive. Uh, Peyton still in three bases in a row or Gonzalez hitting three home runs in a game? Gonzo. Well, Gonzo. <laughs> three pumps. I mean, three bases in a row. Don't see it that often, but yeah. I mean, three well, home so, runs in a game. Uh, Hayden, Hayden sure is would wouldn't see it because he's not used to anybody getting one on him. All right, <laughs> Hay- Hayden, what are you taking? Peyton what or Gonzo? Peyton's, oh, um, Peyton's still in three bases in a row, or Gonzo hitting three home runs in a game. You know, probably the most unlikely thing ever is Peyton's, but the most impressive would have to. I'd have to go Gonzo. You know, three home runs in a game. That's that's insane. All right, I could see that that lsu versus mississippi state who are you rooting for and i'll be honest guys this is a silly question lsu this is just to make jim feel good lsu Uh, every day of the week hey who are you you taking lsu i mean i was going to give you all the option i was going to give you a third option of you don't care about either. No, no. I actually asked that question not because I wanted to hear LSU. I actually had a lot of debate. Uh, you know, these boys are smart. Like they said, they stay off social media. Anyway, they were saying that they root uh, for each other when they're playing against LSU, and I said that's not true at all. No, it's not true at all. I feel like if you go to Ole Miss, like Mississippi State, like you have to, by law, remove that from your vocabulary. <laughs> it doesn't even exist. It doesn't. You you go there because it's like you have to, not because you need to or want to. <laughs> All right, guys. Now we're getting into the uh, the nitty gritty. Would you rather owe somebody money or owe someone a favor? Owe money or owe a favor? Money. Money. Aiden, what do you got? Money. Yeah. Good. Smart guy. Good. Good answer. You know, you never know what that favor. Yeah, you be. never know what that favor could be. Money, money's money. I know what that 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 is, and I, I'll pay you whatever it is you need. But don't don't be making up favors. I'm I'm good. All right, staple questions coming up. Uh, would you rather spend ten years in a coma or five years in jail? Five years in jail. Mm. Mm-hmm. 10 years in a coma. <laughs> Burf, you wouldn't make it out of jail, man. <laughs> You're not built. Where Where is Hayden up. been for the rest of his teammates? Because the rest of them are in, are in jail with Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> Look, guys, a, a lot of people come on here and just bold-faced lie right, right to our faces. There you go. Oh, yeah, give me jail. <laughs> there, there ain't a single dude on this show that I look at and be like, yeah, you could survive five years in jail. But they come on here and they, they that's a easy, no, not no thought, just boom, write it out. They don't even think about it. But I, I tell them, I'll tell you, Reagan, just like I tell them, I'm 
37, and at this point in my life, I know what I am good at and what I'm not good at. I've never been to jail, but I know that I would not be good at it. <laughs> but you, sleeping and naps, I'm I'm the champ at that. So give me the coma. I'll wake up in 10 years and I'll figure I'll figure out what's up. Daniel, I went back and listened to who was the first guest that you actually asked that question to. You broke that question actually out on Taylor Broadway and he answered prison quick. And he was a the he, first he liar first on lie. the show. He lied. That boy too pretty. <laughs> All right, last question. Um, you you won se- you you've won seven in a row. Obviously, you just left LSU. You know, three games right off the top on them. You know, would you rather be hero or would you rather be villain? Villain. Aiden's in deep thought. The hero. Okay. All right. All right. Reagan, who's your favorite villain? Bane from them from them old Batman movies. Oh. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Hayden, yeah. Hayden, who's your favorite hero? Superman. Superman. All right. Yeah. Solid answers. Solid answers. Boys. Um, Anything you guys want to plug or promote before y'all bounce? Reagan, I'll start with you. Ain't nothing. I'm good. I appreciate y'all having us. Yeah, man. Hayden, what about you? I'm all good. I enjoyed it. So uh, I had a feeling you guys wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, brag about yourself. So I'm going to do it for you. If you want to follow Hayden, go to Instagram at Hayden Dunhurst. If you want to follow Reagan at Reagan.Burford. On Instagram, if you just want to follow them at Ole Miss, go to Instagram, Instagram at Ole Miss BSB. Hey, guys, there's a big series coming up. Number six, coming to Oxford. You guys got Thursday night, 6.30 on SEC Plus. You got Friday night, 7 p.m. SEC Plus, and Saturday afternoon, 1.30. I know what us three are going to be doing. We wish you guys the best of luck. If there's anything we can do for you along your journey, please reach out to us, guys. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Got you. it. You got it. Voice. Yep. We're going to take a break. We're going to plug those sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more college baseball. We're going to talk NBA playoffs and major league baseball. Base Sports Performance is an athlete and personal training facility located in Hernando, Mississippi, that specializes in athletic development through strength and conditioning, speed and agility, and movement-based training. They offer individualized programs for adults as well as professional, collegiate, high school, and youth athletes. Some of their program options include athlete performance training, small group personal training, return from injury programs, throwing and pitching development for baseball players. The best place to check them out is on Instagram at base underscore sports underscore performance. Website is basesportsperformance.com. Their email address is base period sports performance at gmail.com and Phone number is 662-292-7761. I'm personally using them for a return from injury program, and we have had many in-off-the-bench guests who have used them for their pitching development. So check them out today. Have you struggled with weight loss, pain management? Maybe you just lack in energy? I struggled with all these things, and then I got introduced to Truvy, an official sponsor of In Off the Bench. If you download the Truvy app, T-R-U-V-Y, and use the official In Off the Bench code, Easy Money, you can save money and get hooked up today and get your life turned around.
Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We're going to talk headlines and starting off and leading off first right out of the gate. We're going to continue our talk with college baseball. Jim, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go to you first. Number two, number three, number four, number six, number seven, all lose their series this week, but the number one team in the nation stays course. Texas Tech solidified themselves and, you know, Texas A&M is, is, moving moving hot and heavy number six and they got a big matchup against Ole Miss uh this weekend so from your opinion you're our college baseball expert what do you see and break down those games from this past weekend and talk to us a little bit about Texas A&M and Texas Tech well I mean I got to give a shout out to to Randy first on Texas A&M I've refused to believe in them you know it's ironic that they are playing Ole Miss this upcoming weekend but um I have not been one to jump on them Randy has said for a while now they've been legit look out and here they are number six so I got to give my man his due on that um you know as far as as far as the other guys you know I, I gotta ask you a question Daniel I know Randy did did you pick fraud you this week um yes i know you did i actually just want i just come on guys at what point do you stop picking my they they're gonna let you down in every sport but uh no um you know the oregon state one uh you know i actually picked arizona to win that series um you know arizona is a solid team but i actually didn't know that i actually believed it so i'm pretty impressed by that virginia tech has really just really solidified themselves at the top of the the ACC, um, like I said, been a big believer in Texas Tech. Probably the team I've watched the most out of all the teams in the Big 12, and I've been thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. And like I said, Texas A&M, you know, got to give them their due at this point. I got to I gotta finally jump on and, and believe what I'm seeing. Um, but, you know, there's, there's some big races, guys. You know, uh, you know, like you said, Tennessee stayed the course. But when you look in the other conferences – um, at the top of them, you got a lot of teams jockeying for that top position. And this last weekend, um, there's some matchups, and it's, it's just going to really dictate some things as uh, as we move into postseason play. Um, but I think the team that's worth noting, Daniel, that made the biggest jump and a team that was one of my Omaha 8 projections, um, I believe, you know, me and you talked about them, um, and what we believed in them, Stanford has jumped all the way to number four. So uh, very impressed with those guys. You know, I want to kind of flip it to Randy for a second. And he predicted this series, um, and I couldn't believe he did it because he hates Vandy so much. Um, so, Randy, Vandy, man, they're clicking. How much does it kill you, but how good does it feel to be right? Yeah, I don't like that because I'd rather be wrong than Vandy win. But they, they're they really well coached, and they know how to win. So, it's I mean, and they're getting hot. They've had a lot of injuries this year. They're working some freshman pitchers in. I mean, they're figuring it out. That team knows how to win, and you can't discount that at any time of the year, and I think they're dangerous. I mean, that's really that's really the biggest series of the SEC – or, uh, yeah, of the SEC this last weekend, specifically because the winner of that series um, between LSU and Vandy is more than likely going to get to host a, a regional, and the, and the loser's not. So – um, I'm not saying that as an LSU fan, um, you know, that, that's big, obviously. You, you want to host that. Obviously, you could you could sway it and say it's Texas A&M and Ole Miss because Ole Miss is now jockeying and putting themselves in a position to where, you know, I asked some guys if they read up on it. If that, They have said, you know, D1 doesn't know all, end all, but they said if they're able to take that series 
Um, they'll find themselves as the number two seed in a region, which you're talking about a team that was talked about not even making Hoover. And now here they are. They could be a number two seed and a dangerous one at that. Dangerous. So tell me why Texas A&M is so good. Because, I mean, you've been – you've been. I mean, I know this. I'll tell you before you talk about – I've talked to two different dads whose teams have had to go there. Man, that fan base, they say, is hostile. Nasty. Well, that's what they do with their bats, too. Them boys can hit. And they got enough pitching to get them through. But, you know, I, I feel like they always, you know, they kind of set themselves up. The manager takes a lot of heat, their coach or whatever we call them in college, whatever, that uh, he gets them there and then messes with the lineup and everything. But he's really stayed the course the last few weeks. I, I'm going to tell you what I don't like. I'm going to bring up since a A lot of teams doing this now, canceling midweek games to save their RPI. And I I think it's boo that. I don't I don't like it because you're taking away an opportunity for the the not say lesser smaller schools that are getting this opportunity to go to Texas A&M play the midweek game. If you don't want to hurt your RPI, don't schedule those teams at the beginning of the year. Don't come back and try to save it now because you didn't do your job to get there. Daniel it, actually brought it up before the episode, so I'm glad you brought it up. It's in my opinion, it's it's bullshit. It's cowardly, and you should be penalized for not playing those games. Because the, the fact is, is that it would be great just to pay the money and not play and, and go, well, you know, we're going to save our arms. We're going to save this. But in reality, it's you're preventing a loss that could happen um, that could be detrimental. And that takes away the whole, like, reason of playing the game. Um, my 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 biggest thing is just think about in football. What if in football you just said, "Hey, we're not going to play this this midweek on Wednesday." Yeah, we're not play, uh, we're not playing this weekend. Yeah, we're we're you know it, that's silly. Like hey, think man. think about like what if Memphis just said, you know, we're you know I, I use Memphis or Ole Miss said, you know, we're just not going to play Memphis. We're we're not going to do it a week uh, two days before the game. You know. It's not I mean, going to do anything I mean, for us. Why, it, why even go? It's not fair to the, the other teams, and but, you know, it really kind of it's, – it's cowardice, and I hate this, you know, if we got Ole Miss fans still listening because they just did it and they're not going to play tomorrow um, because you're scared of, you know, losing that game and, and bringing your RPI down. But with that, Daniel, I got a – you know, a team that's not in the top 25 but who's not scared to play other teams, do you know who has the number one ranked overall schedule and the number one ranked – out-of-conference schedule? Dallas Baptist. Absolutely. I was looking at it, and that That's team, why they're projected in every regional bracket there is, and their their record isn't what we're accustomed to it being. Right. They are projected as a two-seed, but obviously, like I said, not even in the top 25. They have had to play anybody and everybody, and that's going to make them battle-tested in a team that absolutely nobody wants to play. I'm going to no. tell you what else, though. The number one RBI team is – we know who it is. It's Tennessee. They just played two times in three weeks. They played Bellarmine. Our RPI didn't take a hit because they won the games that they're supposed to win. Supposed to win. That's what you got to do. You don't punish Bellarmine because you didn't take care of your job or, or when they played Texas Tech in the wood bat game. I wish they would have canceled the game. Here, <laughs> So, here, I'll give you a better scenario. And, and I hate to use Ole Miss as the example because we had two great guests just on, but Ole Miss last week, midweek, played Southern Miss. They didn't cancel that one. Southern yeah. Miss should have. It, it, it could help them. It did not help right. Southern Miss at all. Right. 
and they seem to they seem to be free falling. But speaking of free falling and bringing it back around to Tennessee, Randy, Mississippi State, you know, can't win a game to save their life, and what a bad time for the boys in Orange to show up in town. You know, the good thing about it is that Tennessee Vitello seems to be, and and I'm I'm not even for this. I've never disagreed with anything that him and Anderson do but they seem to be trying out some different lineups and going through that. And I don't want them – I don't want Mississippi State to slip up and win the series and and because it's not going to matter, right? This doesn't matter to either one. Tennessee's going to be the number one overall seed. But I think they need to go in there. Let's get them hot going into the SEC tournament. But I think this – I think Vitello and the boys learned last year because they went hard at the end of the year to go into the SEC tur- tournament, and they went hard after the SEC title. And the Arkansas fans kept telling me the whole time it doesn't matter. That even though they won it, that doesn't matter. We're but look what happened. They won the SEC tournament and then they went cold because they had one pitcher. Tennessee, we've talked about all year, has a lot of arms. And I'm glad they're trying they're working people back in. Dolander, Tidwell, all Man, that. Do, and Dolander looked, yeah, Dolander looked real good. But I'll tell you one thing he tried, and hey, I'm gonna pat myself on the back because you know I'm going to. I did it on social media. I said Blake Berg needed to be in the lineup. Dude, did you see the stat on him? And and I shared it. I shared it with you, Randy Daniel. You don't know this yet. How about this guy has nine home runs and fifty six at bats? That's a stat. That's Jesus. a stat. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm down. One out of every one, one out of every six at bats. <laughs> I'm I'm telling you. Well, let, Randy, let me ask you this. Obviously, Tennessee seems to me head and shoulders number one. They. They're taking care of business week after week. They'll have one or two games where they kind of look off kilter, but they come right back, you know, and that's part of baseball. You're not going to win them all. Um, but what is it that, or is there anything that they need to improve on? Yeah. Like what do you, what do you, t- what do you tell them? Like, Oh, Hey guys, you're the number one team in the nation. You've only lost seven games, but Hey, um, you can't just say, just keep doing what you're doing or no hit off speed because that is the one thing that's been messing them up is the off speed pitching. And it's not even like a, this is not like a besmirchment on these guys, but like a junk ball pitcher really messes them up. And I think when you get into the tournament into regionals and super regionals, you're going to see guys that are good enough to throw a combination of both. And that seems to kind of mess them up. Well, you're going to, you're going to get, when you get deep in regionals and super regionals, you're going to get into bullpens where, you're going to get guys that are flipping balls in there just to eat up a few innings to get on to the next guy. So if they don't take advantage of guys that are in there flipping, just trying to eat up some innings, they'll put themselves in a position where they're in a much closer game than they should be. And then one swing of the bat or a luck shot somewhere like then you're talking about being on the other end of stuff. I mean, that kind of happened last year, right? Drew Gilbert had to hit a walk-off grand slam right. to win. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, this this lineup top to bottom one to nine um, is is definitely better last year. Like, you know, when we talk about Evan Russell batting in your seven, eight spot, and that's actually where I wanted to go. Um, we got to shout out our, our multi-time guest, uh, you know, Randy. I'm sure you may have seen his, uh, his parents post this on Facebook because, you know, Dana, we're in an age where people want to be haters, and uh, it got shut down real quick. He's one home run from setting the Tennessee all-time mark and uh over Todd Helton and a lot of people start talking about you know well Evan Russell's a five-year guy this 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 and this well shut it down because Todd Helton's had 756 at bats to Evan Russell's 702 so take that for data hopefully Evan 
is, is, you know, we always call him the GOAT. We love the dude. Hopefully he is able to be Tennessee's all-time home run record. He's the guy that's kind of made the daddy hat, you know, when you think of it. I love Evan Russell. He's my favorite of all, but I got to tell you, I don't understand in this age why we have to besmirch one or the other. Todd Helton is an all-time great baseball player. So I, I know you're not, and I know that that's not what I mean. I just mean I don't even know why we have to do that. Well, I had to become an argument, but, yeah, but yeah. The, the attack went one way or the other depending on what side. Yeah, it's like why do we have to talk bad about Todd Helton? He's, he's amazing. It's no different than I forgot who it was. So, somebody with credibility came out and said that this Tennessee team is the best team that he's seen in college baseball. Top Delucci. Yeah, and, and people lost their mind, and it was like – He's entitled to his opinion, but as of right now, like right. obviously you got to finish, you got to finish. But when you just look at him right now, the case is there. You know what made that better was that he's an Ole Miss former player. Obviously, it was their fan base that was just losing their mind. <laughs> so I got to think, well, they got to win it all. They got to win it all. And my first reaction was like, well, when did y'all win it all? Right. Did I, did I miss this where y'all were part of this discussion? But it, it, when do we start saying, your career numbers are dictated by how many years you played. They don't do that in the MLB. They don't do ever. that ever. No. Like if you play 20 years, great. But like the reality is, is your total home runs, your total doubles, your total batting average is what it is. And to be honest in a game in, in, in the game of baseball with all the failures and all the things that happen, like, the more at bats you have, the harder it gets, in my opinion, if we're based on failure. There's no doubt. There's no know. doubt. Because, look, the dude's been killing it all year long, and people are still having to give him pitches to hit because he's surrounded by other great hitters. Yeah, hey. and, I mean, that, that, that lineup, and, you know, we could, we could talk about it all day, but one, one more. I think, isn't Lipscomb, doesn't he have a shot at breaking the, the record? Or, I mean, he's right there at the SEC home yeah, run record. I think, year. I think he's two away or maybe three. Either way, he might hit them all in the first game against Mississippi State. As long as it ain't against Kate Smith. But, hey, since since I, I said Kate Smith and Mississippi State, before we get out of college, even though it doesn't, it doesn't actually have to do with college, guys, I just thought I'd let you know that the text just came through. DeSoto Central is headed to the state championship again. So I did see that. Congrats. Shout out, boys. We did. We Man. did have uh, Brock Tapper on here. He's obviously their number two Mississippi State commit. So, uh, man, shout out to them guys. You know, I, I heard it's from the the guy who does their their booth work. I, I don't I, I'm not going to say any names, but I, I'm pretty sure it's great commentary that is, that is provided from the booth. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I actually, I actually uh, uh, could have done it again tonight, but I decided to hang out with you two guys. So, I mean, well, gotta, I appreciate y'all better, 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 better love me. You, you told them you're moving in the zone, so you'll be able to uh, – you, you'll have season tickets. <laughs> there you go. So, um, Jim, any, any uh, matchups, college baseball, you want to highlight before we move on coming up uh, this weekend? Yeah, obviously, like I said, there's the there's the obvious ones in the in the SEC, and I could talk about those all day. But those are the ones that you expect. Um, let me pull let me pull it back up because I don't want to misquote. But there there are a couple, like I said, that are that are pivotal within the the other conferences. Um, you got Virginia Louisville is one of them. You got number ten against number twelve, um, huge one in the ACC. Um, 
Notre Dame and Miami. So we got we got fraud you versus fraud you. It's a hey, you guys know we will have another Dame guest. <laughs> don't put that, don't put that game on there. <laughs> we we do got another Dame guest coming up, so we gotta be polite. And I did pick them to go to Omaha. So um we we we're gonna be nice there. Um and then uh Oregon State UCLA. So um UCLA has been very solid all year ranked team. Oregon State, let's see if they bounce back at home. Um, so yeah, you got, you got some, you got some pretty big ones. And then, like I said, you know, LSU Vandy and as Randy said, hopefully Tennessee doesn't, you know, make Mississippi state baseball disappear after a national championship. We're going to say holla back. Yeah, we shall see. Well guys, let's move on. We got to talk NBA Randy. And I know it's, uh, it's been a, 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 a sad weekend. I know, I know it's, um, we forgot about it and, you know, maybe drafts draft time will roll around and we'll we'll be back in the groove. But um final thoughts on the Grizz. I mean, obviously you look at the series as a whole and you go, Man, there were some opportunities that were we just we lost. Um, I think we were the better team, even though I hate when people say that they lose a series and go, well, you, you know, the loser was the better team. Well, technically not really. Because the the minute win. breakdown is what can back your argument up. Uh, the, the minutes led. Yeah. So Randy, I'll, I'll get with you. You tell me just um, going through game six, what was, what was the feeling, you know, quarters one, Basically, the first half, and then as the third quarter came to a close, how how are you feeling? I, I felt good because I thought we had a relatively under control Dylan Brooks. You had Desmond Bain moving well. Um, you know, I thought it really, really hurt the Grizzlies when Adams got hurt. He was he was ineffective the whole game. He did not have the same impact even before he got hurt. Uh, before the just the rebounding, I didn't understand. They made a great decision, and it was Draymond and uh, Steve Kerr, which Mike Brown, this is an indictment on him. They're the ones that pushed for Kevon Looney to start the game, and he was absolutely a difference maker. How many got, rebounds did he end up with? 22. 22. Jeez. Yeah, 22. He had 11 in the first quarter, which, you know, but they still hung tough. They had a chance, and it wasn't until you got to, like, the four-minute mark in the fourth quarter that they pulled away. Um, and I, I don't – I hear what y'all are saying on the minute breakdown. And I was listening to Draymond's, Draymond's podcast about this, and I think he said it perfectly. When the Grizzlies actually become the better team, become better than the Warriors, is when they learn how to win, and that really will come with experience because that was the difference. The Warriors knew to pace themselves. They just kind of were hitting shots, hitting shots, hitting shots, getting stops here and there. Don't get me wrong. The Grizzlies pushed them, and they played really well, had a chance to win two games. Dylan Brooks lo literally lost them a game by himself. Job well, and, 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 that, and that's the reason why you feel the better team. They they were leading 47 to 48 minutes that game. And it wasn't even just the Dylan Brooks. It was the fact that you had no Clark, no Adams on the floor. And that and that's on Taylor Jenkins. And so that game, there's I understand that the, they didn't close and, and good teams closed. But there's no way you couldn't tell me if you're winning 47 to 48 minutes, um, you know, you weren't the better team. Yeah, but that's why they have seven-game series. I think that the Warriors are the better team because they do know how to close. They they had a kill shot in them that the Grizzlies just don't have. And they'll get that. They have a killer mentality. They just got to learn. I thought in game six, Jaron shot the ball way too much. I don't think as good as Jaron was in the series, Jaron can't be your number one option. And I thought he was shooting. He, he let them bait him into shooting a lot of threes because he, he loves to do that. 
And that's what I mean by learning how to win. They did not do the things that the Warriors did. The Warriors didn't ever get rattled. The Warriors never got out of what they do. The Warriors just went at it, kept doing their thing. And then what happened? Steph had been off all series long. And what happened in the fourth quarter? Steph killed him. So, I mean, so should have, should have, could have, would have, but, but I'll ask this to either of you. If Bain is completely healthy and Jaw doesn't go out, do they win this series? I, I still don't think so. I don't either. And the, the reason I say that is because you, you got to learn how to win. I mean, it, it, the guys on the court that blew those dudes out, you know, at home, you know, 50 point win. Those are the same dudes that were on the court most of the series. True. So you, you can't say that one guy would, would have made a difference because the reality is, is you prove that you could beat them and win against them, you know, with the second and third rotations, which, I mean, we all know the Grizzlies rotations are the, the best, you know, when it comes from the bench, we're, we're the best in the league. But I, I'll say this on it it was and this just might be like me being pessimistic is every game that we were up with the exception of game five i felt like it's coming like the warriors are coming here they come randy would text it randy would say we gotta hold on to it next thing you know it was gone it's that's what they do because that's what i mean by they don't get rattled they never feel like they're out of a game and whether that's unfounded or not i mean they believe it and they do it. So, you know, when when we think about moving forward to next year, Jim, I'll start with you, but I want to hear both of you. What do you think the Grizzlies need to get over the hump or do they just needed to lose this series to get over the hump? I'm going to make Randy's day, not necessarily because this is what um, he wants. I don't know if it's what he wants, but because he's going to be surprised, I would hear it. Um, because I was so impressed with Zaire and because Bain has became what he has, um, I'm getting off Dylan Brooks. And um, I'm a guy who's got stock in Dylan Brooks Island. Um, but I think that's a change because even with the, the defensive dog mentality he brings, um, he's just a liability with his decision-making on offense. And, you know, I'll, I'll tie it to being a, a Russell Westbrook fan. There are times where I watch D- Dylan Brooks – and his bad games remind me way too much of Russ's bad games, and I've seen that outcome way too many times. And if you're a Grizz fan, you don't want to be stuck with that, especially when you find yourself in these tight playoff situations. So, um, to me, that's that's the first move I'd make. I don't know about Randy. Randy, general manager, what are you doing? Got two draft picks, two big ones. You know, we talked about this. I package my two draft picks and Dylan Brooks, and I go get a guy like Pascal Siakam that gives you another wing slasher that can shoot threes to go alongside Jaron. But mostly you got to replace Tyus Jones because Tyus is more than likely not going to stay. You're not getting Kyle Anderson back. He kind of made that clear in his exit. I mean, how much money did Tyus make for himself in this postseason? Uh, well, I think that um, I saw an interesting take from this from Anthony Sane on Sports 56. He said that <clears throat> the Grizzlies created that for Tyus and Grizzlies fans created that market. So Tyus was great, but Tyus disappeared in the biggest moments. He disappeared in two games at the end when Ja was out. So I think that just goes to show that Tyus, everybody says he's a great starting point guard. I don't think so. I think Tyus is a really, really, really good backup 
Tyus does not need to be in the game at the end. He could not buy. But you don't think, but when you look at half the league, you don't think he would be a great starter for half the league. I mean, not everybody's got an amazing point guard. But doesn't being a really, really good backup make you a good starter? Yeah. I mean, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Daniel. Would you rather, we've talked about this before. Go go back to when we were talking about um, last week with Braden Forsythe. And I asked you, would you rather be, at Tampa winning in division two winning championships, or would you rather be at Ole Miss underachieving? And you told me I'd rather be in Tampa winning championships in division two. And so would you rather be the backup point guard on a team that's winning a championship, or would you rather go be the starting point guard for a bad team? Well, I mean, I think what it boils down to is what is his dream? Is his dream just to make it to the NBA or is his dream to be a starter? His dream is to make the money. And that's I mean, but if you can make if you can make the solid amount of money to be the backup point guard for a team that should be contending for a title, I mean that wouldn't that be the the best scenario? Probably. I mean, I think that he certainly is leaving that open, but I don't think the Grizzlies are willing to invest what it's gonna take to keep him because he made it clear that he's does not interested in taking a discount. To stay here and the Grizzlies can't tie up money in a backup when you got to pay job. So, so if you got to pay Desmond, if Tyus leaves, um, you know, is is it automatically it's just Melton is the guy, or are you looking for somebody else? No, Melton's the guy. I mean, and to me, Melton is better defensively. I think Melton just has got to get more consistent, but at this stage of his career, I don't think that's really an he, option. But st- yeah. uh, still, to your point, I mean, Melton is more than a capable backup. Better than a lot of teams. You know what they are going to do, and it worked, and the numbers bared this out statistically. When Desmond Bain was the backup point guard, the numbers were off the charts. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not really worried about the backup point guard. I think they got to get another wing. Maybe you can bring in Chris Paul's backup. I heard nobody wants him at the moment. Patrick Beverly called that man a cone, bro. Dude, hey, that look, (laughs) look, that that bothered me so bad. You know me. I'm not even a Chris Paul guy, but, man – Patrick call Beverly, him in a cone. But Patrick Beverly trying to talk smack about Chris Paul is just stupid. He Let said me. that dude, everybody, nobody in the league, uh, you, you don't he don't guard nobody. He don't guard. And look, it's true. This is what we've seen over the years. Chris Paul has been a part of the most lopsided blowout game sevens in history. Two of them. Chris Paul has lost some humongous game sevens, but you can't put all of that on Chris Paul. The rising superstars, Devin Booker. Devin Booker was the one talking shit to Luca, and, and then Luca the dropped one, his ass like a bad habit. Yeah, and Booker wasn't making nothing either. So I mean, um, but yeah, you can't put it all on him. But yeah, you know, I just I don't like a guy who I wouldn't even give mediocre as a term talking about uh, a guy who, regardless if he's had some blowouts, we all agree that Chris Paul has been an elite point guard in this league for a long time. Chris Paul is Dan Marino. He's a great regular season player. He's not a playoff performer. You, you can't even argue that anymore. He's not yeah. a playoff performer. Who? Uh, let me ask you this: Would you not say? And I'm not trying to make this about. I'm I'm, on, I'm asking an honest question. Would Would you not say there's probably more disappointment in what with Chris Paul than Westbrook? Because even though Westbrook has had you know that polarizing thing, Chris Paul has always been considered the better point guard. So. Would you not say there's probably more disappointment when you're talking about that Dan Marino kind of thing because the title has, uh, you know, eluded them both? I don't think. uh, I feel like the expectation level has been higher for Chris Paul. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I'm up. Russell Westbrook has never been the best player on a championship contender. 
CP3 was the best player on that Clippers team, and they still failed. He was definitely the best player on the Hornets. They weren't a championship contender. But this year, he wasn't – you know what I'm saying? I don't know. That's that's a tough one. I, probably. Probably, because he's got a more – a longer career. He's had more chances at it. Probably more chances than Russ ever will have just because he's, you know, on the downhill side now. And Chris Paul, because of his size and he's slight – but he gets hurt every year. We always talk about he's, you know, the Iron Man. But every year in the playoffs, after they get bounced out, he says, oh, man, my quad was messed up. Oh, man, my knee. Like, how long are we going to say this, Chris? So, so, Daniel, with that on the Suns, man, um, you know, we had an episode where Randy wasn't with us. But we said um, it seemed like it was inevitable that the Suns, you know, were this well-oiled machine that was going to make it to the finals. How shocked are you to not even see them in the Western Conference Finals? Um, I mean, pretty shocked. I mean, you, you look at the season last year and you looked at the regular season this year and you said, okay, they're, they're making every effort to go out and win a championship. And they are by all accounts, the best team in the league. They showed that, um, they won a playoff series to prove that. But when you, when you go against somebody like Luca, like things change. And if you're a guy like Chris Paul, who is notorious for being absent in the playoffs, well, I mean, there you go. Um, I think they probably let Dallas hang around a little too long, got a little confidence. And then, you know, you, you saw what happened. Um, you know, when I look at the Western conference finals, when I look at Dallas versus golden state, obviously Luca is an X factor and he he's a guy, but I also look at what the Warriors were able to do to the Grizzlies and just hold on. And it's in my opinion, the Grizzlies got more bullets in the chamber than a Dallas team. Dallas may have the best bullet of the two teams, but well, I don't know, Randy, does Dallas's size cause a problem for the Warriors? I think it's a problem for the Mavericks because they can't run like the Warriors can. I don't think that – I think that series is six games, Warriors and six. I would is, I, I would say Warriors and five. Do y'all have any – do, do y'all have, as Grizzlies fans – obviously, I don't like the Warriors, period, so y'all know where I stand. Is there any hard feelings to where, you know, F them dudes, I don't want to see them win, or is that who y'all want to see because they are the, the, the better team and you want to see the best finals possible? I don't want to see the one on win. I don't care about it no more. <laughs> I tell you what, though, we, you know, everybody's, I saw a lot of Grizzlies fans saying, oh, man, we could beat the Mavericks. When? No, nope. I, I, was, I was there for both L's. No. Nope. When? We don't. We have, that's two straight, ever since they've had Luka, it doesn't matter. And I was, <coughs> I'm sorry, <coughs> this year when the Suns came in with their full roster and the, the, war, the Grizzlies sat everybody and they were talking shit in the tunnel and the Grizzlies went out and ran them by 25, that's when I knew that team won shit. <laughs> well, you the only the only thing that I say would have been in the Grizzlies' favor had they went on to win and play Dallas is to say that they were, went seven games with Golden State and like really grinded through and figured out how to come back from adversity and win a series against a tough team that's Battle knows testing. how to win right so yeah, I I, that that would be the only reason why I would say okay yeah. Like, we have a chance, a really good chance, but the matchups, like you said, it's just, you know, history, you know, speaks for so, itself. So, Rand typically play them well. 
Randy, basically what you're saying is in order for Dallas to beat Golden State, being that it's the same team, Luka's going to have to pull a Dirk like he did against the Heat to win a finals. This is true. <laughs> and, I, hey, and I'm look, I've doubted Luka enough times. <laughs> the dude is <laughs> unbelievable. It's got you choked up, got you worked up. <laughs> I'm choked up. So, but Jim, I don't understand this, DB. I got one question for you. When you watch Luca play, he moves well and he breaks guys' ankles and all that. That dude looks like somebody like he's not fit. Like, dude, dude, dude was like drinking Ciroc all summer long and he's out it, there dropping folks. If you saw him on the street and, and maybe like like length, like you you take height out of the equation. You do like, just like though, you but you do like length. <laughs> But like, if the dude was sitting down at a table at a restaurant, you'd be like, "Oh, that dude just—I don't know—he he works behind a desk. I, I don't know. He needs to get on the Jim Cross weightlifting plan because my boy ain't got no definition, but he's a baller. Certified. But let, but let me yeah. ask you—is it—is I mean—is it not a European thing? Because a lot of those dudes that come over from there that can ball, they're not the fittest looking guys. Hundred percent agree. I mean, you never saw Pal. Everybody always said that about Pal—that he was slight, but that dude was balling. Yeah, dirt. Dirt, Luca is just a smaller version of Dirk, really, with a, a lot more athleticism, you know, which is crazy. I mean, if if anything, we know what an unathletic big man can do <laughs> as, as a Grizzlies fan. So um, so let, let's transition, Jim. Eastern Conference Finals, you know, you got, you know, two big dogs. You got Boston and Miami. Um, Boston, obviously. You know, and there, there's a lot that's being said about the coaching of the Milwaukee Bucks, and it's not good. And like, I don't know what to, what to think about all that, but you know, I do know that when you have a guy like Giannis, like, there's a little bit of coaching that you just don't have to have because you have like the best, one of the best players in the league. I think, look, I think there's too much emphasis being put on Milwaukee and, like, kind of what they did wrong instead of actually what – the Celtics did what Randy has been saying they haven't done. They finally stepped up and played to their potential down the stretch of this series. And I think that was that was the bigger deal more than it was about Milwaukee not getting it done. I think Boston finally showed the team that – People have been waiting for them to be for a few years now. Jason Tatum, this series, finally had a fire lit under his ass. It wasn't just that he was putting up stats. I mean, he was barking. He was getting in the face. He's finally getting a little bit of that dog mentality that, that you know, Randy's always criticized him for because I agree with Randy. He's always kind of been soft. And, and you know, when you talk about Jalen Brown and Smart and all the other guys and then his man from Tennessee who, man, shout out. No one Shout ever, out. No one could have ever predicted that okay randy that's your boy did you ever could you have ever projected an nba career like this so far well the celtics did because they picked him in the first round i think i always expected him to be a starter but to drain seven threes in a playoff game i don't know about that grant shout out grant williams man do your thing bro. i mean that guy is two-time sec player of the year i mean i think i hear what you're saying a lot of people didn't pay attention to it because his game is not pretty but damn, he's effective. And you can't stop Giannis, but he did a fantastic job in moments. You're never going to stop that dude because he's a freak of nature. And, and Even it, in the loss, the dude still had, what, 45 and 24 Right, and with you talking about him shooting the threes, the thing about it is with him and Horford with being able to – I mean, there you got five dudes on the floor most of the time who can shoot threes. That's a problem. I, yeah, I agree with you. I think what 
the coaching thing, Ime Adoka is one of the best coaches in the NBA. I think that that the Celtics organization is ran like, you know, Brad Stevens taking over for any age, hiring Udoka to take over him. That was a great move. And they made some great uh, changes. And I'm Budenholzer gets a lot of criticism for his moves and I don't understand it. But I think if you look at the team, you lost your number one go-to score, not their top score, but in a, in an end of game situation, the ball always went to Chris Middleton. You didn't have him for the whole series. It's hard for me to blame a guy coming off of a championship to say, Let's fire this dude because he couldn't beat the Celtics in a seven-game series. By the way, he didn't have his number one scoring. I mean, I mean, look at it this way. They're looking for Grayson Allen for scoring, and that's a dude Memphis kicked to the curb. Like, I mean, yeah, that, that says I mean, it all. Also, I, look, I love Pat Connaughton for what he brings, but if that's the dude you want to come in and give you like 15, 18, you, you ain't going to beat the Celtics. And Jason Tatum, by the way, he wasn't just like took the next level. He blew the fucking doors off. That dude was <laughs> unbelievable. And but it's the little things. I thought Jason Tatum was always a great player, but it's like they didn't have Robert Williams. Grant Williams stepped into that role. Al Horford is forty nine years old, and he looked like he was Al Horford at Florida. Um, you had Jalen Brown doing his thing, and he's the guy to me that like I've always loved him. He that's because he's cop. the dog. Because he's the dog. He's yeah. the dog. I don't want that guy to go get me thirty. I want him to give me 18, 14, and seven. And that's what he did against the Bucks. And he's just a guy that's not going to be boisterous about it. But Jason Tatum, he could not miss a three. I mean, I swear to God, the dude and looked yeah, like – he was jamming on people in between the threes. And Al Horford dumped on Giannis. The series was over after that. It was rough. And he stared him down. Oh, it was so great. Stared him down and talked shit. He said, did you, did you, did you feel that? <laughs> you, got, you, got a little, you got a little something right here. Right, he was right great. Here. Hey, but you know what they about to run into, Jim. Oh, yeah. I, that's what I was <laughs> fixing to say. Randy. But they're a different team because you just said all the take all the things you just said in consideration. This is not the same team as two years hey, ago. You're right, but it is the same Heat team, boy. They finish. Hey, that Tyler Celtics, Hero fixing us up. The Celtics can absolutely win this series, but I can promise you this: it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to go seven games, and we're going to see if they really have toughened up because Jimmy Butler is going to push Tatum. That's what I love about Jimmy Butler is that at the end of the game, I guarantee you, no matter what Spo calls. Jimmy Butler will be guarding Jason Tatum. So who you got? For it. I got the Heat, baby. Heat and seven. Give me them dogs. Jim, who you got? Celtics and six. The disrespect. Not only did that because I don't think they would go back to Miami and win in the seventh game, so I got to go six. I mean, I'm picking them to win on their floor. But I, let me ask you this, Randy. Um you just talked about the the Tatum Butler matchup, but who's who's the actual X factor for each team? Bam for the Heat. Bam out of bio for the Celtics. Who who's the who's the guy? Not Tatum or Brown. Who's is it? Great? Is it still Grant oh, Williams? Oh yeah, it's yeah. It'd be, it's either going to be one of the Williams. Is it going to be Robert Williams? I expect him to come back, or it's going to be Grant Williams. They're just saying now that Marcus Smart is not even going to play in Game One. That's huge. Mm. That oh. actually might help the Celtics, though, because he's got a little bit of Dylan Brooks in him. He lost them one game against the Bucs. Yeah, man, Tatum is mean, wide he, open. He's going to go into three people. <laughs> well, in his defense, I mean, he turned. Oh, and, yeah. That, and did, did, yeah. I mean, he didn't have anywhere else to go and well, make a cross-court pass. It was the next play going, that Jim was just talking yeah, about. Oh. Yeah, no, the, the next play, he starts dribbling, and T Tatum is just flashing down the court all by himself, and he decides to go into three people and try to throw one up and yeah. he just snatch right from them. 
do you know what this what the Bucks did? They were doing like a half court. They were trying to trap him. Giannis was the one that was standing on his weak side, so he couldn't even see Tatum because that dude's like you talk about length, DB. My God, Giannis is like nine foot. Yeah. Well, and then Drew Holiday ripped his shit. Yeah. Drew Holiday just basically won that game. Uh, yeah, those two defensive plays solidified everything Randy's ever said about Drew Holiday as a defender. Give me that guy. Give me him over yep. Marcus Smart every day. Oh, for sure. So, you, you uh, we did our picks. Who you got? I mean, I got Warriors in five, and I got Heat in five. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. So I, we, I, we align on the picks, just not the amount of games. Right, right. I think it's going to be quick. I think these dudes are, are ready. You know, I, I think it's going to be coast to coast for the finals, baby. Coast to coast. So. Like every, I'm, going, every, I'm going Dallas just yeah. because. F y'all. Every four days, we're going to be staying up till 1 a.m. to watch a game. Not this dude. Not anymore. Those, not those unless days. it's the Grizzlies. That's right, baby. All right. Major League Baseball. We haven't talked Major League Baseball, but Jim – I'll start with you, man. The the Cardinals. I, I, I Sunday night baseball. Um, pretty interesting, actually. They had and and I, this shows how much Sunday night baseball I've watched this this year. Um, you know, with NHL, uh, the Lightning in the playoffs and the Grizzlies in the playoffs. There's just been a lot that have taken precedent right now over Sunday night baseball, but. They mic'd up Harrison Bader in the outfield, and he's just chatting with with Carl Ravage and those dudes while he's shagging balls and and playing in the middle of the game. I thought that was pretty interesting. And then they asked him, I guess, if he wanted to be mic'd because he was after the inning, he was going to go and hit. And I couldn't hear what he said. I guess he said no. But I mean, that was an opportunity for us to, like, have conversation with a hitter in the box, like. To me, if you're trying to market baseball and make it watchable, they should do that every fucking inning. Yeah, when they did every it, when they when they've done it with Freddie Freeman, it's been gold. Uh, I'll tell you why he probably didn't do it. You know, he is a Cardinal, but Randy knows where he went to college, and that's the problem. Yeah, and he's from the Bronx. I mean, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, and I've seen I, the way he dresses. He's been going to Russell Westbrook School of, of, of <laughs> but dress. but I, I don't know. But I agree with you, Daniel. It, it is an opportunity. That's why, like I said, I, I brought I brought up Freeman because he's been the most memorable of the of the guys they they've done. So, um, you know, definitely should take the opportunity, especially a guy like you said, Bader, who has a chance to market himself. Uh, that's that's his loss. Yeah. So you know it, that wasn't the coolest thing that actually happened in that game. No, it Albert wasn't. Albert Pujols, toes seventy two years old. Yeah, like. Toes the rubber and just goes goes after it, man. I mean, they he threw some BP balls up there and they got hit a long, long way. But I mean, it's it's fun. Those guys are winning the game big. Why not do that? Well, what's the crazier headline that comes across your ESPN alerts when you see that the Pirates um, beat the Reds without even having a hit, or you see Albert Pujols is pitching? Like you're like, what the hell is going on today in baseball? Yeah. Very interesting. Randy, what were your thoughts on Pujols uh, getting some getting some throws from, from the bump? Got to save, baby. Locked it down. Yeah. <laughs> look, that's a closer's mentality. You can, Hey, look, you want to get right there to the edge of pressure. 
before you turn it on. And then the, he got the, the outs. The the way his team responded and the way he even acted after giving up home runs for, you know, we always they always talk about baseball as a kid's game, right? They look like kids playing. They look like they're having the time of their life. That's cool. So, hey, while we're talking about old dudes, by the way, let's talk about Yachty calling for the high pitch so he could throw dude uh, throw dude out a second and just still just making it look effortless. That dude's got a gun. I mean, what's what's he going to do when he's done? Like, Coach? He gets, uh, does he want to? I mean. Yeah, he said he does. He did, right, he, yeah, right I now, hope he, so. Right now, him and his brothers currently do uh, all these coaching clinics when he's not playing. So, let's let's – Stay with the Cardinals while we're here. All right. Second place in the Central. They're three games back of the Brewers. They're 19 and 15. You know, almost a quarter of the way through the season. Are you is is this a typical Cardinals team and a typical Cardinals start, Randy? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're not they're they're really inconsistent right now, but I think that they're doing what they do. They're like a boxer, they're feeling it out. They're not going all out just yet. They're a veteran team, too, so, God, they can't because they're old. They got Pujols out there pitching. But uh, <laughs> Wainwright and, and Yachty, you know, I think they set the record for most starts together. It just This team, I don't know that they're going to be a championship contender, but I do know this. This will not be a team that anybody wants to play in a wild card game or a divisional in the playoffs because this team has people on it that have won multiple rings, uh, they know there has how been to one. Win. There has been one guy who's been consistent. It's no surprise because his contract uh, says that he should be, and that's Arenado has been a monster. Oh my God! Yeah, he's he's been amazing. I think, you know, we got to get the young guys like Bader. We got to get him more consistent at the plate. We got to get Tyler O'Neill hitting more consistent when he does hit. My God, he hits bombs. But we need more of that. And I think that they haven't. They they're not using all their call ups yet. I think that they're waiting. They're just waiting. They're right now three games back, quarter way through. They're right where they want to be. I don't have any worries just yet. They're plus 37 in the run differential. I mean, that's like top five in the league right now. I just think that their hitting is mid right now. It's literally middle of the MLB. So let's see that get a little better. You know, what? the one thing that I can say is, yeah, typical Cardinal start. But the one thing that worries me is the division as a whole is bad. It's really bad. I mean, you, you got the Brewers, but the Reds, you know, the team that was – a good team last year now is they can't even buy a win, but they lost without giving up a hit. I mean, I, I'm telling Yeah, it's, it's, it's bad, but you know, speaking of, of the other end of the spectrum, Jim, you, you can finally, I guess maybe it's time for you to, to say that the angels are there, even though they're still tied in their division with the hottest team in baseball right now, the Astros, which I, doesn't, it hurts me to even say that or even to say anything positive about them. But the Angels, a team that you've been heavy on in preseason predictions for the past, it seems like 10 years. 19 years. I mean, now you have the opportunity to, you know, put some validity to those claims. So 24 and 13, currently uh, 24 know, and 14, they lost. Oh, they lost. Ooh. Why you gotta do that? Take, bum, take bum, back bum. everything you said. They're out. Take, They're done. Take They're back done. Randy saying that. You know he was talking about run differential. They're second in that. Um, they have the most runs scored in the in the league at 182. Um, I mean, there it's it's actually I think the biggest thing that would be worth noting because that's the reason I brought up the run scored is there is an actual lineup that is hitting outside of Trout and Otani, and that's the thing that's 
you never see. That's always been the problem. It's never been those two guys. Um, but if they continue to bat the way they have, if they can stay healthy, you know, um, especially those two, um, you know, they'll be contending. The problem is what you said and what we always know. Houston's never going to F and go away, and that's the problem. They're not. But I will – the one thing that's impressed me about the Angels is they are in the top five in every offensive category. But on the pitching side of the ball, I mean, they got their they got their third in the quality starts, their first in batting average against, their second in whip. Their fourth and earn run average. I mean, they're they're pitching, and then like Jim said, it's it's not just Otani doing it. And how about a pitcher that leads their team in RBIs? And they mm-hmm. and and they had a rookie throw a no no. They did have a rookie throwing a no no. I mean, it's it might be something special. Who? Knows? I what I was saying was it it wouldn't shock me if this year both of those teams, the Astros and the Angels, won a hundred games. Um, you know, similar to what the Dodgers and the Giants did last season. Um, but we'll see. Otani stays healthy. Um, you know, Trout does his thing. They have some young guys that kind of, you know, feed off that no hitter that was thrown and they can continue that kind of stuff. But, uh, the Yankees lead, leading baseball, best record in baseball right now. Is that, uh, a farce is that a one-off or are they gonna you know do what they typically do and kind of slow their roll or is this yankees team actually the team that is for real uh i think they're gonna keep winning but i do have some concerns they they their run differential is good because their offense is good i still don't believe in that that they're pitching man i mean i they i actually looked this up the other day you know they have zero quality starts this year db I don't doubt how's that, it. How's that even happen? Yeah, that's a pretty amazing stat for a team that's 26 and nine. Yeah, zero quality starts. So, I mean, and even you're at home and they've won some games. And you, I, I'm, I get sick of people saying it because they say it about Tennessee too, because the field's the same size for both teams getting a hit out. But I mean, they obviously do take advantage of the short porch and right. I've watched a few walk offs over there. But Aaron Judge just came back on this year, hitting like he did a couple years ago. I think he's got what, 12 home runs already. I mean, it's not out of the question that dude could get 50 again. No, not at all. Daniel said Tampa's got them right where they want them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, slow start. Obviously, you know, they're starting to gain some traction now. It's so with with Tampa, it's winning two of three games. Win two of every three games, and you'll be in a great spot. Um, you don't want to lose three in a row, and you definitely don't want to lose two and you know two in a row. But if it happens, you just got to pick back up where you left off. I mean, I. I they're five and five of their last 10. That is very, very typical of an early raised team. But what you'll start seeing is the metrics start coming in and Kevin Cash will start playing to these different things and you'll see them start eking out wins and figuring it out. My, my concern isn't this year. It's when they lose the shift because I swear to you guys, every time the Rays are on TV, I feel like they're out of position defensively. Every time I watch every, them, which every is time. very rarely because they're never on national TV. So, so I was asked this, Daniel. Um, this is this is a question that I mean you may know nothing about, but you know, college usually tends to follow the pros when they do things. With them taking the shift out of pro, most most college fans that I know hate the shift. How long does it take before college follows suit, you think, on a guess? Um, I don't think they will. 
I think they want something to separate themselves from pro baseball, another something other than aluminum and wood bats. Um, and having a defensive difference, you know, is, is might be something. And I think the shift by numbers is an advantage and I think makes it kind of evens the playing field off offensively versus defensively. So I think if you have the easier option in college and then it gets harder in the pros, I think that's kind of the trend that you want to see. So I don't, I don't foresee college doing anything as far as not letting those guys shift. Um, but I mean, you know, who knows, who knows, um, looking at standings, you know, Mets Yankees early on, I know Jim, but is this, could this be a potential world world series matchup if it is is it one that you want to watch i mean yeah i think even with me not caring anything about either of those teams i think um when you got two teams from the same place uh, it's got to it's got to draw your attention the bragging rights are are astronomical in that so i mean it'd be cool to see but um with that being said i don't want either of those teams there so but the mets um they, you know, they started off well last year and they, they couldn't hold on. So, I'd, I mean, I'd be interested to see. I think the battle is the one that we had last year. When you look at the West as a whole, as a complete whole in the, in the National League, I mean, the Dodgers and the, and the Padres and the Giants doing what we expect. But, I mean, even Arizona's over 500, Colorado sitting at 500. That's the division that's got my eye. Yeah, so – when you when you say that yeah i mean it's it's definitely a division that is is one to watch um obviously the top three teams there three teams that we've talked about over the past couple seasons and you know i i feel like if the padres don't make a push this season like what happens with them i i i don't know now now in, in my my opinion now is the time for them to make the jump make the push um randy but, we were shocked by the way they fell off last year do they do they they keep rolling this year or they or they fall off again i think they'll be there but i'm not i mean I, i'm not picking any of them over the dodgers i'm just i'm just not i mean they got yeah, you know daniel's picking them giants that are 40 plus years <laughs> old i mean that's fine and, and i hear what he's saying and i'm you know, I'm surprised that they're – I would be surprised if the Giants make the playoffs. I'm just being honest. But the Dodgers have the best player almost – if you go down their positions, they got the best players almost in every position in the NL. That's who – I mean, that's the matchup I think that we're going to be looking at is a Yankees-Dodgers, and that now, might that, be one of the, the most ratings, watched. Yeah. yeah. It, if, you, if you took the Dodgers out of the equation, even if you don't, like they're the, they're the fifth best team – in the in the National League, who the Giants? The Giants. Look, man. With, look, man. Hey, we're thirty four games in. DB, chill out, bro. Uh, I'm just saying. Hey, I'm just saying. Man. He said he's saying the Giants and the Rays are right where he wants them to be. Right, right where they need to be. Right where I want them to be. I mean, it's going to be a good season. It's it's going to be good. Trust trust me on this. But Jim, I'll go to you. Give me your most surprising team, most disappointing team before we we roll out of here. Um, disappointing teams, the White Sox, obviously, you know, y'all know I have a, a little love for them guys, uh, you know, and they've been so good the last few years. Obviously, we, we've been repeating ourselves. It's only a quarter of the way in the season, but 
under 500 in a division that isn't very good. So um, very surprised because they've been able to run rough shot over that division the last couple of years. So they're surprised. I could I could probably equally say the Oakland A's because you know we're so used to them being up towards the top. Um, but the surprise, um, you know, we were just talking about it with uh, the West. You know, Arizona and Colorado actually being relevant for once within that division, I think, is the, the surprise to me. Yeah, Randy, what about you? Most surprise and most disappointing team. Uh, most surprise is probably the Angels just because they have the best players in the league. That's no just, surprise. I've been telling you for five no, years. Yeah, but they just never do it. <laughs> so I think I'm probably surprised by that. Most disappointing, I think, you know, the easy one here would be to say the Reds, but everybody expected them to be horrible. I mean, I think I've been disappointed with the way the Braves have come off the World Series hangover. I think people discounted um, losing a guy like Freddie Freeman. Uh, also losing Solaire. I think that all that was kind of, you know, Austin Riley had to miss some time. Um, so I think they got some things. Everybody's going to say, oh, they're four games over under 500. They were that all year last year. But it's a lot different when you don't have a Freddie Freeman anchor in the ship. Um, and Matt Olson's been great, but I, I'm concerned about them long term. But I, yeah, think, I, I think we had a talk, did we not? We did. We thought they wouldn't come back next year and do it again. I mean, that was a consensus. Yeah, because, I mean, really and truly, if you look at it back last year, they got hot at the right time, a lot like Mississippi State. So I, I think to repeat that when you're not a dominant team like the Dodgers or the Yankees or somebody is really, really hard. Yeah, I mean, I, I think most disappointing is, is for me, is between two, the, the Reds and really the Braves, to be honest. I mean, you, you look at where they were last year obviously you know the the Braves at the at the top of the mountain and to repeat that is, is hard but when you're looking at you know 16 and 27 games back and you got teams like Miami um ahead of you that's uh I don't know says a lot you know obviously the Reds given where they were last year only to have nine wins you know I was it's, surprised it's, you didn't say tough. Oakland because you're an Oakland guy I mean, I am an Oakland guy, but like what I what I feel bad for is nobody goes to those games. What what's the incentive for those guys to go out and play harder than what they have to? Hold up. As a as a Tampa resident, you're talking about people not going to baseball games? Oh. But here here's the difference is that the Tampa, if they would just move the team closer to the city of Tampa, like twenty miles, it changes the game the tampa it's not like tampa doesn't want to watch baseball it's just the commute to saint pete at the time the games are and to come back it's not conducive to a bringing your family to the game and making it a family friendly environment and corporate sponsorships don't want to do it because they got to turn around and go to work the next day okay. um, you're right but i will come back with this though think about this you've been to la before not to a game. Okay. I'm not saying where their stadium is in, you know, it's inconvenient, but like five Jim, hours to get to it. <laughs> it takes you five hours if you're three miles down the road. I, I feel you. I, I, I got you. But in regards to Oakland, um, I don't remember having any I, trouble getting there. Yeah. I, I just don't know, you know, is, is Oakland, there's history there, but like, are they, it, to me, it seems like every team that's been in Oakland has moved out. 
Uh, the Warriors did. The Warriors Raiders did. San Francisco. And also, we're not we're done with the, we're done with the basketball thing. Warriors on Twitter, you're them fans, bruh. They, they something else, man. They were going hard at these at the Grizzlies, man. Yep. Saw some real real gangster they, shit. Guys, I'm be, be I'm better. be I'm be honest. I uh, we need to quit this podcast just so I can get off social media. Fans of all these teams in every sport are gonna make me lose it. Oh, what's wrong? Right what's wrong with people, Randy? Look, I, I heard I'm, I saw a dude yesterday on Twitter saying they should fire Lamonis. I said, what? No, hey, here's my here's my here's my favorite one. Look, and, and you know, shout out Josh Tiger. Brady's been absolutely phenomenal, right? Been just absolutely dealing. He he blows his first save in like the last five opportunities. He gives up that to Enrique Bradfield. And here he even said it. He goes, Man, I'm not even gonna look at Twitter because I know what's gonna happen. And sure enough, there's everybody saying. Bad coaching decision. Tiger should never be out there again. Don't know he's on the team. Anyway, he, he broke. Right. He broke, Randy. He broke. Josh, no, Josh jumped all over somebody. Josh, you can't break. <laughs> yeah, man. It's it's not worth it because once you once you remove the shithead on the top, it gets replaced with the next shithead. So like it's this Very constant true. revolving door of shitheads that you got to deal with, and you just don't have enough Fs. I, I think I think what guys. amazes me the most, because y'all were just talking about the Braves, um, and we obviously talking about Mississippi State, I just don't understand fan bases that just won a championship being so ungrateful. That's that's the thing that never makes sense to me. I stood firm, you know, like I, I told you guys and I told my wife, and, and I said when LSU won that title in 2019, I'd settle for me- mediocrity. And they went five and five the next year, and I didn't complain any. Uh, what do we – I don't even remember what our record was this past year. We sucked again. And I'm still I'm still okay because 2019 was that good. Like I like if you just won a championship, can you really dog your team the next year? But for you, but your perspective on this is entirely different than most fans because you had an experience where you had a personal connection, almost like a, a family connection to people in the in the organization, but you also had the experience that your you got to watch the experience that your son had. There's not a season. What could they possibly do that could make that to, to do better? Be to, to, yeah, to do better than that. So I mean, look what it's done. Look what have, it's done to my son. Like he, I mean, he had the best players from LSU trying to talk to him, and he said, "Step back, I'm a Mississippi State fan." <laughs> well, all right, dudes. Uh, Randy, anything before we get out of here? Um, I thought it was interesting listening to Zach Kleiman in the exit interviews for the Grizzlies. He said, uh, without saying too much, based on the CBA, we will do anything we can to keep John Morant here for a long, long time. And he also made it very clear that they have a core three, and the core three is Jaron, Ja, and Desmond Bain. Thought that was pretty interesting. And then when Je- when Ja was asked if about re-signing, he said a few words and then he said, So do I want to re-sign in Memphis? Hell yeah, I do. So Memphis fans, breathe easy. I know we're always thinking the shoe's gonna drop negative Nancy shit. We got three guys for the core that want to be here, that want to be together. Rest easy. We we going all the way. Jerry the King Lawler. Better watch your back. Because somebody's about to be the the new king of Memphis. 
Ja coming for it, Jerry. Yeah, that's right. Watch your jukebox. <laughs> Jim, anything else? Yeah, so obviously we've been talking about in our group message, you know, Jarvis Landry, Tyron Matthew coming to the Saints, and now we got Drew Brees talking about he might play. Saints when, when when were we talking about this? I, I didn't talk about it. Randy did. It was, Actually, it was in the OG chat. That would actually explain why you weren't in it. You're right. Um, I'm, I'm not an OG. Y'all might as well take me out of that chat. <laughs> but no, we, we talked about it. Randy jumped off. I said Super Bowl. Randy said Super Bowl, really? Anyway, guys, I man, I thought we were going to the coming in the season. I thought, you know, Sean Payton leaving, we were going to absolutely tear it all down. No, the Saints are just going to pick up anybody and everybody they can. So much so that their retired quarterback who doesn't even have an arm anymore is good. And, and I think that's why Randy kind of laughed at me when I said Drew comes back when we win the Super Bowl. But, um, yeah, like either way, I'm, I'm excited for all this. Man, br- bring it all. Br- bringing guys from LSU to New Orleans, finally something that we never do. And then, you know, maybe our Hall of Fame quarterback comes back. Even if he doesn't, Jameis Winston's got weapons for days on days on days. Well, for me, um, it's going to be really hard to to trump that that Saints um, spiel <laughs> that you just gave, but I'll, I'm going to try. Uh, lightning in the playoffs, shocker, right? Um, moving on to the semis, got a big game against the really the the best team in hockey, the the Florida Panthers, starting tomorrow night. So uh, we'll see how this well, goes. State rivalry, okay? Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Um, just a quick trip down Alligator Alley, and you'll be uh, in Sunrise, Florida, where the the Florida Panthers play. We'll kick off there, um, you know, tomorrow night. So we'll see how that goes. But is the guys, Kraken still in there? The Kraken are out, bro. They didn't even oh, make man. it. Man, but you know, it is what it is. It's, Wasn't it's, that me and Jim's team? I could, I can't remember. Yeah, first year. I ain't watched the game. I ain't watched the game yet. <laughs> I mean, is Yami or Yager still playing? <laughs> No, he's not. Mario Lemieux. I did watch some lightning games with Daniel, though. I, I can't say I've watched some hockey. That's all I know. Yeah, it's it's good. Tell him. You enjoyed it. Yes, I did. I did. And they won, what was that, like 8-1? to one? I mean, like, Jesus. Yeah. Like, wait to, way to, way to sell me on how good you are. That sounds exciting. It, it was. It was the best ever. You got right, you got to remember the comparison is hey the comparison was to soccer remember that's the debate and when you watch soccer games they win one nothing or tie zero zero it's a good look when you score eight goals think about it Randy sounds I mean, to I, me like those hockey players don't know how to play defense like soccer players do ooh <laughs> hey I I wouldn't know because I never played hockey I just watch it it looks it looks fast and furious and violent and hey I'll take that for a couple hours. All right, guys, let's get out of here. Another great episode. I want to thank our guests, Hayden Dunhurst, Reagan Burford, for joining us. If you like hearing their story or you just like hearing us average shows talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We'll be back next week. We'll see everybody there. We got episode 20 coming at you. We got Kennesaw State baseball player Josh Hatcher coming back with a different team. So we'll get his story about uh, his journey through Kennesaw State. But this has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, great and grind all the time. We out.